Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast with a title that you could fool yourself into thinking it wasn't going to come, but it always comes. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And it took longer than ever in our in our run, but it's time. Maybe next year, Bills fans. Maybe next Unfortunately, year. Fortunately, the Buffalo Bills dropped their NFL wildcard AFC matchup to the Jacksonville Jaguars in uh in a barn burner uh in so much as that if you were watching this game in a barn you'd briefly contemplate burning the whole barn down to end your life uh it was a 10 to 3 uh, f- 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 fest I, I don't even know how to describe uh how no, bad i don't even think there are curse words that exist to describe the feeling you would have watching this game uh, it was a good it was a good baseball game it was a good triple a baseball game as well it was yeah <laughs> right, because because you know, like the 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 team that lost got into scoring position a few times and certainly made a couple of nice defensive plays. But man, errors in the outfield and you know, I don't know why they I don't know why they took that third strike with the uh, with the bases loaded at the end no. of the fourth inning. There, that was that you got it. You got to go out swinging. You know, got to swing away. You got to swing yeah. away. Well, there's a, there is in an ugly game like this. There's a lot to unpack. Um, I'd say that. In a weird way, let me start by saying this. It was a bad game. But I look at that game, and I look at the team, and I think, yep, that team's been there all year. That's the Buffalo Bills that finished 9-7 and seven, that, is, that are fully capable of putting up a stinker against the, against the Jaguars, against admittedly a, a good defense. Um, and, yeah, it was – I don't know if it was there for the taking, but it was certainly they could have scored a touchdown, and they could have – they, they could have beaten Jacksonville, um, but, you know, they don't have enough offensive firepower. We're going to end up, we're, I promise you, we're going to talk about, talk about Tyrod Taylor a bit before this game's over, um, who, you know, in many ways outplayed Blake Bortles, uh, but in one or two key ways didn't. And, um, <laughs> and you know, the, the running game uh, wasn't terrible, given, given kind of what we all thought it might be. Um, the, the defense, I got to think, you, you, you know, apart from, from being in on the scrambling Blake Bortles did an excellent job. Uh, I think the touchdown, we can talk about this. The touchdown was dubious. The interception at the end of the game was a bit dubious with Nathan Peterman. Um, there was a couple of things that didn't really go the bill's way. And then there were plenty of things that, that were at their own fault. Um, I'm disappointed they lost this football game but I can't say that I'm like heartbroken or uh, I don't know, like angry even. I, I don't know. Let's go to, let's go to Scott who I think might have Scott in Virginia who, who might have more anger. And then we'll go to Paul in, in the, in the secret bunker uh, for some <laughs> final thoughts here uh, in the, in the, in the mountain, in the mountains, um, in the mountains, yeah. quite literally in the red rocks. That's yeah. almost. Um, I, I was I was uh, I listened to this game for the first kind of quarter as I was hurrying to my parents' folks' place, uh, coming back from uh, a weekend away, and I watched most of the the second, third, and fourth quarters. Um, obviously, I did not miss anything in the first quarter because it was a it was punt fest. It continued to be a punt fest for most of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the it is disappointing. I think I agree with Frank. It is disappointing. It is not surprising. Um, it's I find myself still 
Um, blaming the defense, even though I know it's the offense's fault. Um, I feel like for some reason, I think just the the sight of Blake Bortles just kind of casually running, like dropping a snap on second and fifteen. Yes, and then just just kind of well, I guess I should run, and then just kind of galloping over to the sidelines, and all of the Bills defenders look like they're running in molasses. Like that is a memory that will stick through me. Like obviously. I think I think that's the thing is like the thing about the offense is like everything on the offense needs to be fixed. So it's hard it's hard to me to like pick one thing and be like, well, if only Tyrod had had hit O'Leary on that on that uh, on that uh, post corner, or if only you know Deontay Thompson hadn't had that dumb holding call that or not it was a dumb holding call it was a holding call that was essential to you know LaShawn getting the extra yards that made that a big run um if if, if only turned a blind eye like they damn well should have <laughs> exactly if only cadet hadn't had his ankle ripped off four weeks ago um you know if only um you know vlad Dukas was an all pro right guard instead of a terrible right guard like there's a lot of like what ifs on offense but they're mm-hmm. all equally valuable whereas like i think the thing that's easiest for me to like say like this game would be a little different is if we had just one guy in the front seven who was faster than Blake Bortles like you would think there would just be one human being that we had on that team I mean and maybe it was Matt Milano and that's the other frustrating thing about the defense and that's I mean maybe that's also part of it is that like her like admittedly like the run defense did fine I, I this is exactly what i was expecting from the run defense like we have gotten torched when it's been small quick backs like kareem hunt and Dion lewis and who again would have killed us in the next round anyway but like a big slow guy like fournette was the perfect running back that we needed to face and we did exactly what we needed to do against him and we didn't even really need milano for that we mm-hmm. needed milano we didn't realize at the time but we needed milano to run down blake bortles um and micah hyde getting dinged and then Colt Anderson comes in and is just a half step away from picking that ball off. If that's Micah Hyde, that ha- you have to think that that's a pick. And then Tredavious White gets dinged and he had the pick that he almost dropped. And so I feel like the the turnovers would have been there for the offense for them to take advantage of and win a game against a team that is, to be fair, built very similarly to the Bills. I think the Bills honestly probably have more talent on offense than the Jaguars do. But if you would pencil the Jaguars talent in at like C plus or like C, probably like D plus, um, probably like D plus on offense. And the bills are maybe like a C or a C minus the bill. The the Jaguars have three all pros on defense and the bills have one. And that is, that was more than enough um, ground uh, more than enough difference to outweigh the, the marginal kind of improvement um, that our offense had on theirs, and that was um, that was a difference in the game. Yep. Yeah, it, it, inevitably, you know, we we can't be too horribly upset with this game. And Frank had mentioned not being heartbroken about, and Scott did a good job pointing out some individual plays that could have gone one way or the other. But uh, Scott also was alluding to the fact that how upset can you really be when this team is still talent starved at a lot of positions you know there's there's we we mentioned last week the fact the mere fact that they got to the playoffs was fairly impressive when you look at this roster and go position by position often you know when we look back at super bowl 25 we say boy the bills win this game seven seven to eight times out of ten when you go down the Bills roster and the giants roster compare this outside linebacker with that outside linebacker and the bills are better at most positions but 
you know, you, you have to play the game. And if you do that with the Jaguars lineup, I think they're fairly evenly matched. I think the Jaguars might have some better players overall, but neither team is really a, a juggernaut. I think it's a matter of who's going to get fed to the Patriots or in this case, the Steelers for the Jaguars next week. And, you know, if you look at the way the Bills offense played against, and, and let's, I, I want to back up one second. Jacksonville's an incredibly good defense. That was, I, I think as Bills fans, we like to point out, you know, every all the flaws of our our team. The the Jaguars know what they're doing. They play great defense against a lot of teams all year. They've made Ben Roethlisberger look human when they played him earlier. This year. not just human. They made him look like Nathan Peterman, for crying out loud, when they played right. him earlier. That's an excellent defense. But what was, you know, upsetting is there were those deep balls that the Bills had a chance to hit. They did not hit those deep balls. There were those near interceptions they had that would have made a difference in the game. There's that one more stop if they would have made that fourth down stop instead of giving up touchdown to a no-name tight end. You know, all of those things are, are frustrating, and certainly this is a game the Bills very well could have won. But this isn't that sense of frustration I get where, wow, the Bills are – all pros, every position practically on both sides of the ball. Such a talented group. The window is closing. This is sort of the last chance. I had none of those feelings. It was like watching two mediocre playoff teams go back and forth and the team that was slightly less mediocre because they have an outstanding defense as opposed to a very good defense won the game. So it's it was frustrating to watch. I'm watching it here. And for those of you who don't know, I'm in Las Vegas right now where it's uh, 5.50 p.m. Uh, and <laughs> I, I watched three and a half quarters of this game, and the whole time I was thinking, wow, this is amazing that this team could make the the playoffs the way they, they function on offense. So I'm, again, upset. I would love to be doing a Patriots preview for next week. How exciting would that be? But, you know, it's not like this team deserved to be further along. So I'm I'm fully accepting of what happened. Yeah, especially going into, like, I was ready to, you know, we could still talk about it the whole uh, what's going on with the Patriots. Like it would have been good fun fodder to talk about whether they were in disarray. Uh, they're uh, obviously, you know, I think the other thing to point out, a couple other things to point out, the AFC wildcard, the other wildcard game, not much better. I don't know if the, the Bills would have been better off playing Kansas City. Probably. I think Kansas City probably would have been the easier matchup. Um, and in that respect, you know, maybe as you look back over the season, you'd say, okay, I wish I hadn't lost game X because at, at 10 wins, I would have been you know, going to Kansas City instead of going to Jacksonville. But you're still delaying the inevitable. Um, yeah, even this if, was not a Super Bowl champion team. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was certainly a team that could beat the Jaguars. I come away with the exact same impression that I had of the Jaguars before the game. They're not great at all. Uh, they're, they're a really flawed team. Um, I, I would... You know, I would go and say I would go ahead and say that I think Tyra Taylor is still a better quarterback than Blake Bortles. Uh, the man rushed for 88 yards and threw for 87. Uh, he threw for a touchdown, which uh, if it was, you know, as was pointed out online, if it was Tyrod Taylor throwing to Kelvin Benjamin against New England, it would not have been a touchdown because that's exactly the it's it's essentially the exact same play. Um, so there is lots of. Um, caveats with this game. I don't know how much I want to, I mean, how much more do we want to talk about? I mean, I'll, I'll do this. I'll say this. I came away fully convinced in my position of Tyrod Taylor. Um, in he, you know, 
same position he's been in all year. I don't know, you know, what he's looking at sometimes at the end of the game. Deontay Thompson, like two or three times, like running free, didn't even look at him. Missing uh, wasn't Clay. It might have been Clay or it was O'Leary, like wide open over the middle. Uh, and that's just some of the stuff that the CBS crew caught. Uh, not talking about whatever the 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 whole um, you know game tape play will be, and that's just kind of who he's been all year. He's very good against struggling teams. He struggles against good teams. He needed to step up. He really like if he wanted to make his money and get his you know he he was going to make a lot of money if he won this football game, not just directly from a bonus, but from either the Bills or somebody else. He was got on a national stage and was going to demonstrate something, and he didn't. He needed to step up when his team needed him, and you know he didn't. As far as I'm concerned, um, I come away also convinced that uh, you know the secondary on this team is very good, and I'm very happy that that feels like a you know piece that you won't have to necessarily monkey with too much, especially with some of the guys um, that will be leaving on the defensive side. Do we want to? I mean, do we want to? Go over I, any I'll, of those, or I, I mean, I I will I will simply say I I will I will I will ask this this semi rhetorical question, Frank. Was there anyone on offense other than Lashawn McCoy, who is an All Pro player, who stepped up in that game? It's hard to say because you know, with the if the quarterback doesn't get the ball to the open guy, then I can't say that a wide receiver did it because there were wide receivers that were open, and so. If I don't, what am I trying to say? If, if, if he so doesn't, you don't do, know is the short answer. I, I I think that there were opportunities left on the field that for for playmakers to to step up, and I the guy who had the ball first and the guy who gets the ball every time, on every play, didn't get the ball to those people, and that's his job, and he needed to do that above and beyond with every you know more so than than usual, and. He didn't. He didn't do I, it. I guess I would say I feel like the whole offense needs to get better. I feel yes. like the quarterback position needs to get better. Uh, I mean, I think every team would say that every position always needs to get better, unless you're the Patriots and you have Tom Brady at your starting quarterback. Um, right. I think the question, the problem for me is is more, and and uh, again, like. However many times we've had this conversation about Tyrod, we had it the exact number. I'll tell you how many times we had it. We had it the exact number of times we had it about Ryan Fitzpatrick when we were on the other side of the argument. Um, and it was basically, and it's basically, if 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 you have to try and roll the dice and improve the position that needs to be improved, like of all of the positions, quarterback is the one that I feel like is hardest to roll the dice and get better than average. I feel like most of the guys you end up getting are average or worse, whereas it's much easier to find better offensive linemen, better wide receivers, better running backs, better tight ends. And so that's why I'm, I'm still hesitant to totally ditch Tyrod, but I've, I've kind of resigned to my felt like if he gets traded or cut at this point, I'm not going to like flip out and call being a moron or an idiot because Tyrod didn't play great. And, he has he has can he consistently he has shown that he is not going to get like he has elapsed the window of time at which you could say like he's a career backup once he gets two or three years in the league then you'll know what he really is as a starter and 
those two three years have passed and this is functionally what he is he is a he is a game manager who can also run and has a nice deep ball but mm-hmm. is not consistently capable of breaking down defenses and and beating people with his arm so right and what concerns me is that is the and this is a more of an offseason discussion but i've really been disappointed in the regression of his deep ball in recent years just him missing on more opportunities this year than he seemed to in 2014 2015 because he hits and in the playoffs i think we're having different discussions about the tyrod future right now but to go back to scott's original question i and i think what he's getting there's just not besides mccoy there wasn't anyone on that offense where it's like wow this is the person you want you know in the future you know who really steps up in the big game and, and can be a superstar. Like there was none of that. And granted, and, Benjamin was hurt. You know, Wood and incognito, you know, were, were up against it a bit, but it was, there, there's a lot of room to grow. Yeah, I mean, Wood and incognito are perfect examples of guys who got beat fairly, cons- I mean, like Marcel Darius just torched Wood on one of the first plays. And it's not, again, it's not like Eric Wood's a terrible player. He's an average center, but we could get better at center. Like I, I like Eric Wood, and obviously he's more important in terms of his role on the team. But he did not have a great game on Sunday either. So it's it's not just that though. It's there are yes, we. I, I'm not going to argue that the, the team can't get better overall on off, and I'm not going to say that like wide receiver isn't part of that and that probably lying is part of that but he still is a mobile quarterback and his job is to get the ball to the hands of people they had him you know for all the grief we give rick dennison they had a they had a very clear game plan to get him out of the pocket and open front okay with no one in front of him and he had chances to either run or throw and he missed things he just didn't look at guys and they're they're open, and he has a responsibility to go through those progressions. And it doesn't, you know what? You do need a better, you know, guard. You do need a better uh, wide receiver. But you know what? The entire the entire offense doesn't fall apart if one of those guys isn't good. You know, if a couple of those guys aren't good, okay. But Tyrod's just not doing it. He's not. He's not there. He's not even. You know, he threw five or six of those passes just away without even like trying to make something up with his legs. At some point you've got to say, okay, this is the seventh time I've thrown the ball out of bounds on this naked bootleg on the play or the, the play action pass the, that, that brings it around the other side. And he's looking at the tight end and, and the tight end's not open and he's not even trying to get three or four yards. He's just throwing it away, even though he had, you know, frankly, quite a bit of time. It, it's, in, it's frustrating. It's, it's really frustrating to see him, at the end of the game, snap back, look, and, you know, we haven't even talked about the question of, like, whether he should have, you know, done this this run-pass option and whether, like, that was ever a good idea to throw at, you know, <laughs> Calvin Benjamin's ankles to see if he could catch the ball for a touchdown at the goal line. I don't even know if I want to go there, but, you know. I'm not sure it was at his ankles. I don't think that's really fair. Well, okay. I was being a little Well, Calvin Benjamin is like Paul Bunyan, I believe. He's about 42 <laughs> pieces. And the and the, the offensive pass are holding, you know, like I guess you probably aren't going to anticipate like that. But he just would take the snap. He'd he'd make his first. He would go from I'm not going to throw the ball to I'm going to like look at one side of the field and ignore the other side. And 
there's just people there. I, I don't know how else to explain it other than like, it, I'm sorry, but there's a bigger onus on what he needs to do. And it, it is kind of funny because we are exactly 180 from the Ryan Fitzpatrick conversations <laughs> of seasons two and three, where I was telling Scott, like he needs better players. And you're like, he's not getting it to the better players or, or whatever. And I, I don't know. Like, yeah. I think I one of, and this, this is probably another off season discussion, but the biggest indictment of him right now might be, look at the success this year of, you know, Robert Woods and of Marquise Goodwin, you know, yeah. those were, Two Sammy guys Watkins, who had career years. Yeah. Yeah. And Sammy had an okay year. It wasn't his best, but you look at Woods and, and Goodwin just emerging as good receivers without I mean, that that doesn't look good on on him. So he had, you know, I think people would look at Watkins, Woods, and Goodwin as a lineup of receivers and be like, Thank you very much nowadays. You have those these are three good layers of receivers, if not superstar guys. And Tyrod didn't do much with them. He's not doing much for what he has now. He gets a $6 million roster bonus on March 14th or March 16th, two days after the league year starts. So, I mean. Yeah, no, I mean, he's he's done. I mean, right. I, I think it, it's like this is all kind of academic on some level because he is done. Like, the, clearly, if they had any faith in him, they wouldn't have. They, they, Gone naked they, human. Yeah, exactly. Or they or it was lost in the, in the Saints game before that. Right. And uh, they – you know, whatever whatever they did, they did it to to you know keep the keep the team moving in the right direction after Peterman's performance, which was obviously atrocious. And and they feel like they can do better. And they can you do better? Absolutely. Are you definitely going to do better? Probably not. Like I mean, by definition, it's impossible to know whether or not you will. All you can do is take a chance. And you know, sure, by all means, like let's let's roll the dice. You know, maybe you know. Obviously, it's very you know. If you hit on it, it's great. Let me let me ask you this question then. Do you think this could be a championship? Because now we're done, right? Like the one Mm -hmm. thing this game did was you're in the playoffs, and to be fair, it's not a functionally different team than some of the other teams that have played. It's it's probably a worse team than some of the other teams that didn't make the playoffs. But that's that's done now. That's off the Mm -hmm. back. You've made the playoffs. You now need to go forward from here. You now need to be a championship caliber team. You no longer have the, well, one step at a time thing. You now need to go, what's after this? The next thing is to win games and and, and progress through the championship rounds. Do you think this team could do that with Tyrod Taylor? And I don't know. I mean, two more offensive players. Like, I mean, like spend picks 21 and 22 on a gangbusters lineman and receiver or so again, Something. this is this is the opposite of the argument that we had th- two years ago, and that <laughs> it's literally there. Are, there are two, like as you've said before, and I'm really just quoting you at this point, Frank. Like, like, <laughs> this this is good <laughs> strategy, you know. Yeah. Right. Um, it's the most effective way to win a debate. Um, the the there's only two ways to win a Super Bowl. One is to have a great quarterback, and the other is to get lucky with a good team. Um, or with a halfway decent team. And I think the Bills would be better. I think the Bills have reached the point with the team as currently constructed. Obviously, we can't know what it's going to look like. You know, we, with the team would have changed next year regardless because people move on, people get old, you got draftees, yada, yada, yada. Regardless, the team had reached the point this year where if they had, if 
Kelvin Benjamin doesn't get called for offensive pass interference and catches that touchdown. Blake Bortles throws one of those interceptions. The Bills win this game. They go into New England. Maybe they break Tom Brady's leg on the first play, and they have a shot at at at, at that game. And then you know the Steelers bus catches fire the week after, and they get to the Super Bowl. And then it's just one game. I think by getting into the playoffs, that's you've reached the you're a mediocre team that's capable of getting on a hot streak and, and carrying you through. And there have been teams that have done that. Both of the Giants teams, because Eli Manning is an average quarterback. The Ravens team, because Flacco was actually an average quarterback if you really come down to it. Brad Johnson, da-da-da-da-da. There's lots of examples. Trent Dilfer. So there are not a lot of examples, but there are five or six in the last 15 years, and those are the those are your models for how to do that. If you don't have Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Newton, maybe. I don't know. Not yet, technically. Um, so the odds that you're going to get one of those guys is one in, you know, a hundred, one in two hundred. But I what think are the odds? I, what are the odds that your sequence of events plays out and this team is lucky enough to? I guess. Steal I guess the. Few. I guess the question is: Would you rather? I mean, this is the, the and this. I I was definitely on the other side of this a couple of years ago. <laughs> Literally, it's because this... if you go back to season two and play it backwards, <laughs> exactly. that's, all that, that's all this. That's with, all this podcast you, you play it with <laughs> deep purple on on in the background. It you lines know, up. Find out that Ryan Fitzpatrick is a Satanist. That's <laughs> right. kind of weird. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, would you rather watch a team that's kind of consistently competitive and hanging around the edges of the playoffs and hoping that you hit the the lucky streak where everything kind of breaks the right way and you get to the big game and now it's just down to one game or would you rather try and you know just burn everything down every two years when you realize that your starting quarterback isn't the guy and it's kind of like i don't know i feel like maybe i'd rather just try and go for the first one but you know but that's the thing like it, you can only do that so long, and that uh, and that that still requires a process of renewal. Yeah, like you can't you can't the team is never the team always changes. You know, every year the team changes, so you constantly need to be making those adjustments. And quarterback is one of those adjustments that you need to be making. And maybe it's now time for the Bills to find another guy who's as good as Tyrod, or you know, hopefully is as as good as Tyrod. I'm just not. I'm just. I'm. I'm concerned that it may not. It's not. It's not going to be as easy as we think, frankly. Hmm. It's a very interesting QB market. Anyway, we'll we'll talk about this a lot during. It is, during the and I, I, yeah. Blake Bortles, come on down. Buffalo Bills, Blake Bortles. It makes sense to me. Just saying it. I mean, there's if we're going for pure alliteration, it makes sense. And of course, then Tyrod goes to the Titans. Tennessee Titans. Tyrod. Marcus, Marcus yep. Mariota, Minnesota. No. Nah, we don't have any right. MN teams. Maybe the there aren't in any other sports either. It's a joke. But I don't. The Manitoba Moose, maybe. Manitoba. No. I don't think they're the Moose. They should be the Moose. But they course, used to like be, no one... they could, It could have changed. Minor league hockey. Right. No minor league hockey in Canada. Please let us know. Well, well. Uh, let's let's move on from this. We are going to have plenty of time to talk about Tyrod Taylor and quarterbacks and what's what's going to happen, um, whether it's a good idea or not. And, do and do we have a I Paul? Have do you have any? Brief... I have one brief oh. fact check on Paul. Okay. Just oh, I, it was Good, because I want to give Paul the last word. So fact check him, and then I'll let then Paul have the last word on this game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, Robert Woods, career statistics. So let's go season by season. Uh, and I'm going to look with you. Last, last three seasons, I'm going this from Wikipedia. 65 catches, 699 yards. These are with the Bills. 
47 for 552, 51 for 613. And those are with missing, by the way, respectively, um, two games, uh, two games, and uh, three games. Uh, this year, uh, he, he did also been sidelined for multiple games, so it doesn't say exactly how many, but 47 catches for 703 yards. For basically, so basically, he had an average number of receptions and a um, a four yard increase on his best year, and that was on let's see, three less games, which is admittedly something, but also on an offense that clearly is much more dynamic than anything the Bills had the last couple of years. I wonder so, if I'm looking at different stats because here's here's what I see. I see. 56 catches for 781, which to me is 82 yards more than his career high in the season where he played 16 and started 15 versus this year where he played 12 and started 11. Um, so had five. Clearly had more, ac- more accurate statistics probably than Wikipedia. Damn it, Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You, Wikipedia you is always a, a lot of Don't fact check my fact check. <laughs> I know. Fact checking, fact checking. Is the the way to go? Now, to be uh, fair to Scott too, to you know, counter my argument, it wasn't his career high in catches. He had sixty five in twenty fourteen for the Bills, but that's when his yards per reception was ten point eight, not thirteen point nine, uh, like it was this year for the Rams. So he was able to make a lot of big plays, including a ninety four yard touchdown. And you saw uh, what he's capable of doing under a big stage playoff game. Like Scott, that question you asked earlier about, aside from you know Lashawn, is there anyone who seemed to step up in a playoff performance? If Robert Woods was still on this team and had had the game did against uh, Atlanta with the Rams, nine catches, 142, I would be like, yeah, he really stepped up, even though it was a loss, and I'm glad we have him on our team. Whereas now it's just like, nope, just just LaShawn, really. So, um, no, you're, you're, you're honestly, I think that's, I think your point about that being the biggest indictment of Tyrod there is, is probably pretty good. And honestly, I, I mean, I was always a big Robert Woods fan, frankly, yeah. and I'm, uh, I'm glad he's doing well, but yeah, I, I do think that was a mistake to, to let him go. I mean, obviously we kind of had to do it. It was a lot of money, but anyway, please continue. Yeah. And, I, and Marquise Goodwin is the other guy, and we'll talk about him in the offseason too. He would have had a thousand yard season. He was at 962 yards this year, and he didn't have Garoppolo, mind you, until the last, what, five, six games. Mm-hmm. And he would have had a thousand yards if he didn't get a concussion in the first quarter of the last game. You just need 38 more yards that game, and that's likely would have. But yeah, it's, you know, I, we don't want to talk about the Jaguars game um, too much. I think we've done a really good job hitting all the major points but you know it was nice to watch a playoff game you know i i will say that i was just to give the the context when i watched it i had landed here in vegas and just watched it at the airport standing outside a bar near gate b31 and there were about eight other people around me some bills fans some eagles fans who liked mccoy uh you know everyone though seemed to be rooting for the bills and so it was fun to watch it in that environment and you really They've got a lot of roster building to do. They've got a lot of tough decisions to make. This is not a slam dunk. They did extremely well in the draft last year. They have to do that again this year because we've talked about, well, they have that winning culture now, and that will help them draw more free agents, you would think, of a higher caliber because you're not necessarily going to have to outbid everyone. Right. And also, you know, there's still a lot of talent efficiencies on this team that Jacksonville helped to. Uh, you know, you've got depth in the secondary, you've got linebacker, and then you get the, the Lorenzo Alexander questions. Like, we got 
2016, Lorenzo Alexander in this playoff game. Where was he in most of 2017? You know, he had some moments. Yeah. But he finally in the playoffs seemed to be back at, what, 10 tackles and a sack? He was all over the field. So, you know, we'll, it was an encouraging season. It was a letdown of a game, but I think it was a good, honest game to tell us what this team is, which is a team that's of keep playing games close, you know, squeaking some out now and then, but a team that still has a lot of match to quarterback and other positions to to help out. So that's where we're at here at the end of the uh, the season. All right. Well, uh, before we have any more facts that we get wrong, it's probably best if Scott would just offer us the three stars. Stars, um, which are facts, which are indisputable. Yes. <laughs> Yes. I can't question three stars, by the way. Yeah, there's there's no fact-checking those. Once they're decided, they're decided. Yeah, and we are in, you know, uncharted territory. I wouldn't even know how to fact-check playoff three stars, to be honest. This is true. It's like, it's like quantum, it's like double quantum physics. Exactly. There should be, like, the like these stars cannot be at the same place at the same time. And if you look at them, then it changes what they are. So it's really some weird messed up physics stuff here. Um, so I I had to think long and hard about where to slot this particular gentleman. And um, normally, if you're the winning quarterback on a in a playoff game, you would think that you would make the three stars mm -hmm. <laughs> because you'd have to be pretty terrible in order to not. Um, but Blake Bortles does not get three stars. He gets honorable mention. That's because... Those 10 rushes for 88 yards were just such back-breaking. One of them, I mean, basically he got him into field goal range on one and got a couple key conversions to keep the Bills off the field um, in the second half with others. Um, so it pains me to do it, but Blake Bortles gets your honorable mention for 12 of 23 yards. <laughs> I can't, even, I can't even get through it. He almost averaged four yards a throw. Almost. He got close to averaging four yards a throw. He is he is terrible. That was one of the that was one of the jokes in the good place. It was like it was uh, Jason, who's so, a Jaguars fan, it was basically saying, Yeah, we're, no, we're gonna be good. All we need is an offense and a defense and some rule changes. <laughs> Think about um, think about when was the last time a quarterback won a playoff game when he rushed for more yards than he threw for, eighty eight to eighty seven. You know there were average more per rush than yards per attempt. Some I think Buffalo Rumblings did that story of like they did the research and they found people who had thrown for ninety and or thrown for eighty and run for eighty but didn't throw for more than like a hundred or something and and yeah there were like four or five like Cordell Stewart was one. Um, okay, I thought it'd be like Y.A. Tittle I, and John Unitas. Right. Like, two different well, it was it was the lowest scoring playoff game since like the '40s, right? Since somebody won fourteen nothing. Now they said there was a seven to six game that it tied in the '90s, which was oh, okay. I can't remember which. Um, Another barn burner that you wanted to burn your barn. Exactly. Yeah. Lots, of, lots of barns that needed to be burned. Um, so I will give uh, the third star then to uh, LaShawn McCoy. I wish it was higher. Obviously, he was he was the best offensive player on the field. I think that was pretty much uh, undoubtedly accurate. He had 19 carries for 75 tough yards, uh, as well as six catches for 44 yards, and obviously did have the big uh, run that was called back. Um, probably needed exactly at least two or three more carries, potentially in the red zone. 
Um, maybe that would have changed the outcome of the game, but it's too late to know now. Um, but uh, LaShawn, obviously, the, the 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 guy who the straw that stirs the drink on the Bills' offense, uh, probably for for some time to come. Uh, so that means if it's not on the Bills' offense, uh, then and it's not on Jacksonville's offense, then it probably. I mean, Buffalo defense certainly did a, a fine job. Um, obviously, again, Lorenzo Alexander, uh, ten tackles with a sack best game in a while uh Poyer was all over the field um Hyde was in there sticking his nose in there for a little while um Humber did well kind of filling in but um so for Jacksonville uh you have to give um Calais Campbell uh who was one of their all pros the second star um he had only six tackles but uh just consistent pressure kind of consistently torching um, Bill's tackles, kind of uh, getting, collapsing the pocket, uh, blowing up run plays, just making life difficult. Um, very difficult to do anything for the Bills. Um, you know, again, we won't completely rehash the Tyrod discussion, but uh, Tyrod spent plenty of his time just kind of running and having to reset um, when the path, when the, you know, the the, uh, the pocket kind of collapsed almost immediately on, on various occasions. Um, and then, Part of me did want to give the first star just to Darius, just because it would have been like just desserts for trading him away, and I'm more annoyed with that move by the day. Um, but I did not do that. I did give it to who did I give it to? Um, I did give it to uh, Miles Jack. I think is who I wanted to give it to, um, just because they did enough in the run game, um, and he was both on offense and de- or not both on offense and defense, both in the run game and the pass game was kind of all over the field. I noted him kind of uh, disrupting some things and and being pretty much good all aboard. You could give it to a lot of the guys on the Jacksonville defense. Obviously, A.G. Bouye had a pick. Jalen Ramsey had the pick. Um, he obviously also drew the drew the, um, drew the the foul. Malik Jackson had the sack. Um, you know, uh, Telvin Smith, Gary Church, a lot of – there's a lot of good players on the Jacksonville defense. No one, no one's going to, deny, going to deny that. Was it Ramsey? I thought Bouye had an interception. Was Colvin? Bouye had something else. Thinking of, I don't know. Anyway, um, but yeah, uh, Jack, uh, Campbell, McCoy, and Bortles, Gasson, will mention those are your three stars. And I'm, sh- you know, and I can't question three stars as we mentioned, but surprise, n- nothing for Peterman. No, no, three, four snaps. He had a, a well, he had I, a bottle you know, snap, a fumble, an interception. And uh, he had he did one other thing. He got sacked. So it, with an intentional grounding, actually not a sack. Well, yeah, That's I tough. mean, yeah, four negative plays and four snaps. But if you look at the advanced stats, <laughs> he had a he had a one point two QBR. So I mean, that's not really an advanced stat, but I mean, that's not nothing. Um, so I don't want to say he was the worst. He was actually probably I mean, one of the top two QBs in that game. I'm not even judging <laughs> who he was better or worse than. It's yeah, it was, it's that sort of game. Yeah, I mean, again, it's just as simple as just sitting back there and just getting the ball out quick and on time to the receivers. That's all yeah. you really need to do. His, his four point six six yards per attempt led all quarterbacks in the game. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, yep. yep. No, he's. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's definitely another offseason discussion of what the hell do we do at quarterback now, but. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, <sighs> you you mentioned um, I, I don't know why Bills we players, mentioned a lot of stuff. Yeah, we mentioned we, a lot we, of we, stuff. Yeah. Um, let's talk. Um, I I think we should 
mention this. I don't want to dwell on it because it's all he said, she said. But I think it's important to just acknowledge that we're aware that, you know, one of the Jaguars players uh, has basically said that Richie Incognito was, uh, you know, using in the jawing and, and trash talking of the game, used a racial slur. Um, this guy has said it more than once. Uh, I don't think anybody's actually heard from Richie Incognito directly like in the press, but he, from what he's told the team and he's told teammates and what his two teammates, uh, Deanne Dawkins and uh, Eric Wood, who stand right next to him on the field, have said that, you know, this hasn't happened. This is sort of not true. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it was fabricated, but um, Eric Wood was pretty emphatic in his radio interview that like he never heard any sort of racial slur and the same with uh, Dion, who said that he would, you know, he would have been the first person to sort of straighten out incognito if a word like that had been used or, you know, a, a racially charged word had been used. Um, Brandon Bean in his comments today said he didn't want to talk about it but he characterized it as like a bit of a misunderstanding at best. Like maybe, you know, incognito said something that was taken the wrong way, but it wasn't really a slur. Um, it's tough because incognito is, has a, has a history of directly this. Um, but also he sort of, I don't want to call him a model citizen. Someone called him a model citizen in a write up. Uh, I don't know him well enough to know whether he's been a model citizen, but we certainly haven't heard anything like this out of him um, in his time in Buffalo. And, you know, to have two people right there standing up for him, uh, that's sort of, uh, it's telling, I think, on some level. Do you guys have thoughts on this? or? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in on this. Sure. I, it's This is one where we're going to find out more in the coming days. We are, you know, about 48 hours removed from this. And I don't want to take any sort of side in the issue. I expect it's it's fairly like Frank described. I'm sure Richie did say something in the heat of the battle. And I'm sure what Richie said was in his mind, uh, let, me, let me back that up. Uh, you know, it is certainly plausible that in Richie's mind, whatever he said was not a racial slur. Maybe he said, you know, you're a stapler head. And he didn't realize that was a racial slur. I've made that up. I'm, I made it up because I'm looking at a stapler right now. So, uh, but that's the idea. Well, he could have just the used podcast. the term. He I'm going to leave the podcast. I can't stand for that kind of talk. We'd like to apologize uh, on Sorry. behalf of maybe next year. For... Falls off the show, folks. Sorry. Falls it's... off the show. Uh, and you're, you're going to have to mute that. You're going to have to delete, you know, like just, you know, put the, press the Q button. Is that what they call it? The Q button? The you dump know, button. On that the, hit the, I, I hit the dump button. Thankfully, we're oh, on the delay. Yeah. Yes. So he, he could have very well said a term that was, you know, meant to, to goad. Uh, and I can't remember the Jacksonville player's name. And I apologize for that because I don't have it pulled up. Yannick Ngukwe. Yeah. I, I steered clear because I didn't want to butcher his name. And I also didn't want to say okay. he's got one of those names that's, you know, you can't freaking say because that sounds vaguely right. racist. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I can say, you know, Chiwetel Ejiofor and Jimon Hansu in my sleep because I've seen their movies. But I've not seen enough of Jacksonville's defense to know all the players, you know, names pretty well. So, you know, I think Richie probably said something that uh, was, you know, meant to get under his skin. But it's also very plausible, and based on what Brandon Bean was saying as well, that it was not meant in a racially charged way. Uh, Justin, again, and I'm sorry to use the offensive term twice, a stapler head sort of way. 
to you know try to goad the player. So I I expect that there won't be much more fallout from this. We'll see what develops because I could be wrong. We are in a society that takes this stuff sort of stuff seriously as it should, especially someone uh, with Richie's history. And I'm not even talking about the whole Jonathan Martin stuff. Long before that, he was known for having bullying tendencies and and just you know player drew a lot of had a lot of personal foul calls so he should be looked at closely on that front but you know my my expectation is that it will be looked at it will be decided Richie's version going to align uh with the the offended players version and that Richie's going to have the defense this is not how it was intended and I think it's probably just going to be forgotten within a week or so. But we'll we'll find out. Tonight we podcast and I posted on Facebook. Give me your thoughts and comments. We definitely had people who called, wrote in and uh, Brian. Yeah, it's disappointing that they lost to a very beatable opponent. But looking back at the talent in so many key positions, it's so impressive that they even got to this point. I have many doubts about McDermott on game day, but he's achieved a lot and should be applauded. That's a good starter because it's a good question of has McDermott achieved he's achieved more right like the playoffs is the playoffs and even though there's other nine and seven coaches in the pantheon of Bill's droughtology uh he's his was the only one that got to the playoffs and I think it's pretty clear that the team he's a state whatever his whatever his mantra is whatever his process is whatever the the fullness of his doctrine is uh, he has um, created fundamentalists there at the at one Bill's drive. They are all in on his um, belief system. Um, do, but do do we want to say that he uh, should be applied? Do we want to temper the applause? I feel like I want to temper the applause because I'm not sure that I, I'm not sure that what he's done apart from a little bit of luck. Uh, is all that different from what other people have done, Scott? Yeah, it's, it's, I'll let you jump in, Scott, if you want. First last time. No, that's fine. <laughs> um, sorry, I feel no. I feel like uh, that was that would have been awesome if you just totally answered it right there. Um, no, I will keep my answer brief. <laughs> I feel like we're going to be talking about this plenty. Um, I feel like it also depends on kind of like what your perception of the perception is, um, what condition your condition is in, um, because I feel like. Kind of that depends like if you think that everyone's very pro mcdermott then yeah it's easy to kind of say well let's take a minute um i think yeah i mean i think skepticism is warranted i think uh it's it's important to realize the the mediocrity of the achie- of the achievement that has been achieved um and that just because it's been 17 years doesn't again like like mcdermott kind of said like i haven't been here for 17 years it hasn't been him trying to get in the playoffs for 17 years um it's been a variety of different teams 16 different teams with six different head coaches and 12 different quarterbacks or whatever the numbers are have all not gotten to the playoffs and so it's not really fair to say that like he you know finally succeeded and therefore he is the one who gets us over the hump and he is the one who deserves the key deserves the key to the city accordingly um that said I am very impressed with the amount that he was able to. Um, sorry, were you able to hear that? Yes. Okay. Yep, I, I am. I am still sur- surprised and impressed with the amount of talent that he was able to put together, uh, based off of kind of the uh, you know conventional wisdom. I'm using air quotes with my hands for those of you who can't see me because I'm podcasting. Um, 
in the you know conventional wisdom about Ronald Darby and Sammy Watkins and Marcel Darius, and that these are guys who you build teams around because they're athletic, um, you know, athletically impressive, yada yada yada. And to do this with the level of talent that, again, conventional wisdom suggests is on the Bills and did show up on repeated occasions when playing better teams and obviously on Sunday. Um, I think getting to nine and seven with the roster we have is nonetheless a pretty good accomplishment. So at least that gives me some hope that this initial at the beginning here, who knows? Yeah, it's, I'm, it's funny. Buffalo rumblings actually did their annual end of year uh, review. And in case you were curious, the uh, it was 97% to 3% approved of the job McDermott did. I generally in agreement with that. As much as the Peterman thing drove me nuts, as much he needs to learn to is wrong more and accept his mistakes, and that, that Peterman decision comes to mind too. I, I also think he took a team that was, you know, really talent deprived that had far less talent than the one the team's Rex Ryan had dealt with in the last couple of talent then you know, as we talked about with spikes and Fletcher and Washington and Adams Williams that is not to mention Kyle so and you look at what he did and I doubt his ability is someone who people and that is a huge part of the job he has respect of everyone in that room it seems and he's able to motivate them he needs some improvement on his game day coaching there is no doubt about that and I really want to see once he's given more talent, assuming he is given more talent at some point, does this team take that step to be a challenge of Patriots for a division title team, or do they level off? Do they, do they, you know, get unlucky? Does some of the luck they got this year become unlucky in the next couple of years, and all of a sudden they're back to being? I've been very happy with McDermott. I think this was a very good first season. I don't think you expect much more out of his season than the team got this year. But recognizing that luck definitely played into certain victories this season, um, let's let's see what happens in the, the, the forthcoming years. I think that's a good way to characterize it that he got a, he he got more out of a less talented team than some of the other coaches because I think you're right. Even though that other teams got to nine and seven and they didn't make the playoffs, I think this is certainly a much less talented team than uh, the Drew Bledsoe nine and seven team and probably a less talented nine and seven team than the Doug Marone one. So, you know, what does Rex Ryan do with this team or Chan Gailey? Like, is it just five and 11 or, or six and, and 10? Um, maybe. So I think in that way, uh, maybe he did, maybe he did, um, you know, do something, uh, applause worthy. Um, maybe he had an excellent kicker that could score from 57 yards at will. Uh, and that changed the complexion of some games. Um, Steven has a lot of thoughts in the offseason. He's going to hold off posting on all of them. Brian also posted uh, his season in a nutshell was went from fun to not fun to what the F to meh to fun again to shrugs. Uh, ending the drought was more important than anything else. They weren't going to go on a long playoff run. There just isn't enough talent there, but I'm proud of them and what they achieved. I think we can agree with that. Other than that, it was a bit like what an NFL Europe coach once told me. We find guys who nobody knew could play, but we also find out the guys who can't. <laughs> um, that is probably right. We were probably, you know, you know, had a lot in common with the Frankfurt Galaxy this year. Uh, were there any good tweets, Paul? Or- yeah, I didn't. I didn't today, but we did have some good comments um, during it. 
I shouldn't say during good comments during the course of the game. There were some at the end which kind of season um, wrap up. Um, you know, they did write the long. Uh, Ryan notes uh, Ryan and, and Jasmine were having a good discussion, which I participated in where I I, I could, and then I was I was hampered by airport Wi-Fi, but that's another issue. Uh, you know, Rhino says, although they did break, they did break the longest playoff streak in pro sports. We don't have to keep hearing about that anymore. That's that's a plus. He also notes he's disappointed, but not really upset. Might be more Nord later on, but win four to six games this year. I, and as we discussed, I don't think any of us had them winning more than six games this year. Uh, maybe one of us picked seven, but I was somewhere on the four end. And so that was. That that's one you know we've covered that a lot already, but that's that's definitely excellent feedback. Just you know, but also in terms of the season, you know they they had opportunities to move the ball. There's they have some playmakers with McCoy and Benjamin, but they stagnated. So you know what are they going to do on offense? We'll talk about Tyrod more in the off season, of course, and what they're going to end up doing uh, with the offense. We didn't talk much about the future for Denison and Jesmond was you know another offensive coordinator would matter of the versus and, and uh, yeah let's dive into is it worth it for continuity when you've changed offensive systems so many times to give it one year with under you know slightly different personnel or do you just say you know what there were too many times the lack of creativity on the playing plan front out there for you guys what you think out yeah no i mean i think um i will i will start off briefly i i would think uh i think it depends on what your taylor decision is i think if you <laughs> if you think you're keeping taylor for some reason and i don't think they are then i'd say give him another year with dennison and and see how he adapts into the second year of the system and the theory would be with another year of him with kevin benjamin and say jones and um, and you know Clay healthy for longer and Dennison for another year that maybe you get another you know three to seven points out of the offense on a weekly basis which I think is probably not going to happen um, but I think if you do get rid of Taylor then there's no real benefit to bringing Dennison back and there clearly wasn't enough um, of like inventiveness and creativity on the offense to keep him based off this year's performance so I suggest you you know, if you're the McDermott, you figure out what you want to do at quarterback. Um, you acquire that person or you have a plan to get that person. And then you bring in a coordinator who, you know, will do that. Or if you really care about your coordinator, do that the other way around. So. I agree entirely. Good. Um, and lastly, you know, just going to Orlando's comments, you know, what in, and this is something we, we, you know, we want to mention too. Fitting that this game ends with a Peterman interception. Take that, Frank. <laughs> a fun night. Uh, like what, how appropriate that the season ends with an interception. We've talked a lot about what the Bills do in the future. Is someone like Nathan P, you know, his Orlando? What in the world did McDermott see in Peterman? You know, is do the Bills need to look at a? Viable backup at the QB. Do they need to just dump all the QBs and start fresh like they did? Frank, do you want to take this one? Uh, you broke up rebuild little... all the quarterbacks. Yeah, you broke up a little at the end there, Paul. Could you talk just... for you guys? You're both jumping. Sorry, I'm gonna keep a hold. I think it's Paul. I think your connection's kind of bouncing in and out a little. 
um, and maybe you're not hearing us as well. So can you reboot and then, or, or not reboot, just log back in and I'll read Steven's comment, which actually um, he did. He said, ele- he said it 11 hours ago. Uh, I don't, or he said, he said I, I think I got a lot of thoughts. I'll hold off. And then of course he also just threw in a bunch of thoughts. Um, most of about the, about this season. Uh, he thought that the, the, the team would be five and 11, which I think is about what certainly I had them at. Um, and, you know, especially early in the season. And so from historically weak AFC, that's what they benefited from that and dumb luck. I'm glad the drought is over, but otherwise I don't feel there was much to celebrate. That sounds like Steven to me. Um, McDermott's first we know, draft. We know that's actually Steven. That yes. is not supposedly uh, Steven. Steven bot. Uh, he points out McDermott's draft was very good. Trey, you know, Trey White, Deion Dawkins, and, and Matt Milano, um, all good acquisitions. Is it too early to start questioning Zay Jones? I don't. I think you can question anybody anytime you want. Um, Zay Jones has had the ball hit his hands and not catch it. So um, I think it's fair. You can, certainly, you can certainly question him. Yeah, I think it's a question of whether or not you cut him or not. And I don't yeah, think I don't think it's time to write him off. I just, yeah, you can question him. Uh, the game changed on the offensive pass interference call on Benjamin. I don't blame Dennison as much as some people do for making that call. I would have preferred a running play, especially after grinding down the Jacksonville defense at the end of the long drive. But I don't think it was the worst call he ever made. It was a run pass option. It was, it was, that's been confirmed three different ways now. Um, Taylor had the option to hand the ball off to McCoy or to throw uh, to Benjamin and the line was run blocking and review of that play looks like maybe they should have handed the ball off, but um, I wouldn't, if you're going to blame someone, I don't know that you should blame Dennison unless you feel like uh, there should have been no option to pass and it should have only been a run, which I don't quite go there. Um, Steven's comments didn't like how the Bills handled their last meaningful possession of the first half should have milked the clock. Taylor is not going to lead a long drive with two minutes against that defense. They wound up leaving time on the clock, letting the Jags tie the game going to the locker room should have been seven, nothing at the half, not three, or should have been three, nothing or seven, nothing at the half, not three, three, because he's saying you should have got that touchdown too. Lastly, not super impressed with the Bills defense in this game. Uh, I think Steven's a little unfair here, but we'll read his comments. They shut down Fournette, but that's not surprising as they committed nine players to the task. The only reason the Jags had only 80-something passing yards was because people sucks so bad. If the Jags had any sort of passer, this game would have been over a lot sooner. Not being able to shut down his scrambling, sad. Um, yeah, but that was the task in front of them. At the end there. Not being able to shut down his scrambling, sad. Failing. Sorry. Yep. Uh, Failing New York I think, I think. I think the, the – I think just jumping in on the last point, I think – Yeah. To be fair, this is a salary cap league. It is not imp- it is not possible to be an all-star at every position all the time. Jacksonville clearly invested a lot of time and money and effort getting the defense right. Mm-hmm. They took portables and portables. <laughs> portable, portable. Oh man, that we've got a uh, do we have a do we have a podcast title? That's gotta be prominently it's, featured. No, unfortunately, but this is the maybe next year uh, episode. So oh, yeah. can't can't monkey yeah. with this one. <clears throat> um but um Anyway, he, uh, you know, he, they can't, they can't just assume, you know, if, if it was easier to have a passer, then everyone would do it anyway. So that's, that's the other half of it. Um, and then I do agree, obviously, like, but at the same time, like just to defend it, is it a little bit like Schmidt had a pretty decent day, but that was his worst punt of the day was at the exact wrong time, which was right, right. before halftime to let them basically, instead of having to go, you know, you know, 50 yards to get a field goal range. They had to go 30 yards, mm-hmm. and and the, the 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 scramble head at the wrong time, basically. All right. Well, let's do uh, this day in Bills history. Let's briefly, if we want to, talk about any of the 
playoff games upcoming this weekend. Uh, and then it's time to mosey. Um, I don't know. Do we have a, well, we'll talk about when we'll podcast next uh, after all that. But uh, Paul, give us a This Day in Bill's History, and then we'll talk a little about the playoffs. So we are going to go uh, way back. We've got to go back 26, 25 years. Uh, quarter, anniversary, uh, quarter anniversary of this game? Let me try that again. Silver anniversary of this game? Silver anniversary. So 25 years to January 9th, 1993. Um, everyone remembers the game before this, which of course was the big comeback, the game against Houston. Very few people remember that Frank Reich had to go in to Pittsburgh the following week, six days later, mind you, because it was a Saturday game to face the number one, uh, the AFC number one seed, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and try to lead them to victory over, over what was a, just a great Pittsburgh team. Um, so, you know, the Bills went into uh pittsburgh that day um they were both 11 and 5 teams the bills uh the the short version of this game uh they won and they won big they won 24 to 3 um i remember frank reich looking really good uh in this game in terms of you know just it was a very much before the term game manager uh came into play this was very much a game manager sort of of role was the you know he he did very well to, you know, use James Lofton a lot. Mitch Ferrat caught a touchdown pass in the game, which I feel is always important to mention when a, a dead bill has caught one uh, from Reich. The Bills really controlled this one beginning to end. The Steelers opened the scoring with a 38-yard field goal, and that was really, really it. Reich finished 16 of 23 for 160 touchdowns. Uh, he was sacked once. Uh, the team's leading rusher that day, Kenneth Davis. 10 rushes, 104 yards. Uh, Thurman Thomas, 54 yards. Carwell Gardner, 22 yards and a touchdown. On the receiving end, they didn't have any superstars. It was BB at 72 yards. Lofton had the big touchdown that day, and they really controlled it. Now, the Steelers had a guy named Neil O'Donnell at that time. This is before the Super Bowls, the Neil O'Donnell. I say Super Bowls. I think it was just one Super Bowl that O'Donnell led them to. Uh, less effective day for him, but this was this was the Bill Cowher Steelers. This was the beginning of that era for them. They would go on to be one of the teams to beat in the AFC in the coming years. They'd lose to the Cowboys two years later in the Super Bowl after knocking off the Bills in the playoffs in a bit of vengeance. Their big superstar is a guy named Barry Foster, you might remember, running back for Pittsburgh. He had 20 carries for 104 yards that day, uh, so he made a difference as well, but the you know, this was a, a Bills playoff victory on the way to Super Bowl 27, which we are not going to talk about. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was a stay in Bills history. Now, as far as the trivia question goes, man, there's so many things we can can do here. These these are always tough because I I, I feel like I want to be as creative as possible, but I also want to give you guys an actual chance to, you know, figure out, um, you know what some of the answers are here. So as I look up and down the lineups, uh, what do we want to go with here? There's one guy, he's, I don't have him the trivia question, but uh, but he had the best name ever. You might remember left inside linebacker, Hardy Nickerson. Mm -hmm. So never forget that name. That was a great player for the Steelers. So um, no surprise starters for the Bills. Yeah, this is going to be a lame trivia question. So I'm looking at the Steelers roster. I'm trying to remember these guys 
All right, this guy started at right tackle for the Steelers that day. He played tackle guard and center during his career, spent entirely with Pittsburgh 13 seasons, except uh, he spent the last season of his career with Green Bay where he played just one game and did not start. This was really his last career start in the, the playoffs. He would play 12 games with the Steelers in 92. He would be banished to Green Bay in the offseason, played that one game. And that was really it. He ended up playing nine playoff games. He dates back to, I mean, his first playoff game was in, in 1982 uh, when the, the Steelers lost to the Chargers. And the Steelers had Terry Bradshaw quarterback that day. So can you name this, this Steelers tackle that spans the, the Bradshaw to O'Donnell playoff, uh, playoff uh, span? I'm going to be redundant. I can think of another word. Uh, no, I uh, can't. No, I can't. But I am going but to. Am oh, I'm getting an, oh, echo. an echo. I believe Paul could. Paul could. I'll mute myself. Maybe that will I, help. I, thank you. Sorry. Yeah, it's it must be getting the feedback since you you redid the the login. Uh, I, I can name a person who was a uh multi positional player for the Steelers in that time. Cordell Stewart, aka Switch. He did not play those positions, but he played more than one position. Slash. Slash, not switch. Switch is my Nintendo. Slash it was it was was Cordell Stewart. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say him, even though I know it's wrong, because you know, because fun, because uh, it's fun and it's 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 it has some of the qualities that that Paul was looking for in an answer. Sure. Um. Uh. The correct answer. Not that that's not that that is obviously Cordell Stewart was on. No, it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just confirming <laughs> but uh yeah. this guy not not only played for the steelers was a big fan of of steel itself um as a means to move the uh spanish republic into a more mm. uh modern uh time time uh Excellent. economic kind of period that's but, right uh, generally generally samo francisco franco one of my favorite generalissimos because he's basically his name is general frank frank and uh, so I'm in. How could how could how could Frank go wrong? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and again, you know, a controversial, um, you know, uh, leader of Spain certainly, obviously, killed a lot of people. It's kind of tough <laughs> to 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 wipe Allegedly. those skeletons out of the closet. Um, but you know, he kind of led the way to democracy. Kind of by the time he was he was on the way out, and uh, you know, not 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 all bad. I'm sure there are four hundred thousand people's families who would probably say that he actually was all bad, but you know, who knows? Um, I'm certainly not a Spanish historian, but I no. do know that there is no doubt that he was all pro like four times in a row for the Steelers at right tackle. So he was, he was, you know, again, they had the steel curtain defense for the while, but he was the man of steel at right tackle for many years. Generally, Simo Francisco Franco killed as many as 400,000 people, according to Wikipedia. Yep. The White Terror of Spain. That's Did the... you know, for those of you who watch Saturday Night Live, that, that he's still dead? Do you, do you remember that? I'm dating. I, yes, I think that was an old... Was that a Chevy Chase one? Or was that it a... Was. He was. He would run the news, and they would open every week with... Because uh, the news was always about his health and his failing health in the around 75. Yeah. yeah. And like his health is still failing. And then he died, and so the first week on Weekend Update, they're like, General Francisco Franco is now dead, and they made a joke. And then every week for the rest of the season, this this first, General Francisco Franco, still dead. And they did it the whole season. So 
there you go. That's good. That's a good, uh, that's good again. And again, you'd be surprised that he would make four consecutive all pro teams, uh, playing right tackle as a, as a Spanish zombie, but you know, yeah, it's crazy things. Oh, and he did make his Wikipedia page. Franco was a running gag during the first two seasons of Saturday Night Live when Weekend Update anchored Chevy Chase, which frequently report that Generalissimo Francisco Franco is still dead. He's referenced in You've Got Mail. He's referenced in Faulty Towers, for those of our friends on the other side of the the sea. Uh, oh, Faulty Towers is a classic. That translates. You could you could definitely watch that on this side, too. Yep. There's literally like a thousand... There's like a thousand-word Wikipedia article on... Generalissimo Francisco Franco is still dead. That statement, like that joke, <laughs> has a thousand word Wikipedia article. Now, very people know that that Franco uh, did did survive. You know, even though we say you're joking, he's still there. He's actually alive. He took an alias, pretended to be born in Istanbul, and be the NFL's only Istanbul-born uh, player. Uh, not only that, but the first Turk to play in the National Football League. Um, so he's shown it. No, that would be great. Oh. That's a different. That's a second Turk. Oh. Um, he he helped the Istanbul Cavaliers, which is an American football team in Turkey. It is a two-time Pro Bowler, uh, Tunch Ilkin. <laughs> Tunch Ilkin. I chose explicitly no, because of that name. Tunch Ilkin. He was a Muslim Turk. He grew up with a scales mentality, and of course, the phone rings. Oh, you, perfect! They found yeah. you. It's like in his parents' house again. Yep. This is hilarious. I am it in is, Nevada. It is season three. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. Oh, that, was, oh, that was so perfect. Because I, I was going to joke, that we're not going to have any sirens this week because we're in the middle of the desert in Nevada. And instead, uh, a phone rang. And that is the I, I would have called him lunch if he was a big guy. I would have called him lunch. <laughs> I was. He was on the offensive line. Yes. Lunch joke. Um, are you going to watch any more football? I I don't know. Maybe I'll watch the Super Bowl. I don't know if I got it in me to yeah, watch anymore. I'll watch, I'll watch the Super Bowl. I don't know if I'm going to watch this division round. I mean, uh, Titans Patriots. <laughs> New England's a 13 and a half point favorite. I don't think that line's high enough. Yeah, and the only thing worse is if the Titans would win, and then you'd be left with like, oh my god, we could have probably like yeah. you know Patriots this week. The only thing worse, exactly. Um, <laughs> obviously, the Falcons going to Philadelphia with the Carson Wentzless Eagles, who are, of course, in a tailspin. So uh, I can't imagine the Falcons don't come away with that one. And then uh, Jag Steelers is marginally more interesting just because the Jaguars obviously handed it to Roethlisberger that first time, but I can't imagine right. the Steelers still don't win, given what we saw out of Jacksonville last week. And then Saints-Viking is marginally interesting, but I don't think either one of the Saints is going to win the Super Bowl. Um, at least maybe the Saints, but certainly not the Vikings, even if they do win. So I don't know. I, I can't imagine watching any games this week either. I just, you know, there's there's nothing enough in this week to interest me. I'll probably watch the championship games, at least some of them. I'll definitely watch the Super Bowl, but there's just, uh, you know, there's not a lot in this, which makes me think, oh, man, this can be an incredible, you know, sequence of events. Well, there you go. That's our thoughts on the rest of the playoffs without the Bills. I think, I think it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick New England – Pittsburgh and it to be in the AFC championship. The NFC, I think, is intriguing. You're going to have some interesting games there. I I think Atlanta pulls an upset this week. They really look good. They certainly have the playoff experience uh, as well. Atlanta's a three-point um, favorite. Okay. Oh, really? 
Yeah, that's a bit of a surprise. Yeah, it's the Wentz. It's the Wentz thing. Oh, the Wentz. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think about that. And I'll say, I'll say Minnesota. I think Minnesota is, you know, their defense is so strong and as good as New Orleans' offense is. So, I think it'll be Minnesota hosting Atlanta on the championship game. Well, if you uh, are interested in giving us your thoughts, please uh, about the postseason or or the end of the Bills season or anything. You can give us a, uh, a can't give us a call. I'm not going to give out phone numbers, but you can tweet us B Bills M N Y. You can find us B Bills M N Y at WordPress.com or B Bills M N Y at gmail.com. Uh, a great place to interact. Facebook.com backslash B Bills M N Y. You're going to find this podcast and other interesting little links and, and, and things there where we can, we can be chatty. This is typically the time of year where we start to wind down the podcast. And I would think given our pretty universal lack of interest in this upcoming round of football games, unless there is pressing bills news, I don't think you'll hear from us until before the Super Bowl. I could imagine that we'd have some Pro Bowl stuff to talk about and a little bit more news to talk about. Then after the Super Bowl, uh, obviously the offseason will begin in earnest and we will have some more uh, stuff to talk about. Talk free agency, sure. we'll talk the draft. Talk yeah. free agency, yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to be breaking down quarterbacks, uh, <laughs> in you know, first-round potential quarterbacks this year. Maybe not, yeah. we'll see. Or free agent quarterbacks. Maybe, I, maybe we'll be talking about Andy Dalton coming to play for the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But that's all that's all in in the the future. We we tend to end, I think the season, our season, season six of this podcast ends uh is it at draft time, right? Usually it's like the draft happens and then episode one is either the first non-draft podcast or it is the results of the draft. I'll I'll go back and take a look. Um but you know, so this is still season six throughout the the first part of the off season here. Um but that's it for us. That's for is for the, the the playoff run Buffalo Bills. It is over uh, for now. Uh, maybe next year they will they will uh, they'll get a little further. Until next time, though. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. 